This is Jim Harmer, and you're listening to the Improve Photography Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Canon. Join Canon to learn from some of the best portrait photographers in a city near you. Canon's tour showcases six different photographers, each with a distinct style distinct style in six different cities across the country. Spend a day with an award-winning Canon Explorer of Light and learn their portrait photography secrets and technical expertise. Each event covers different facets of portrait photography, including family, wedding, fashion, and commercial portraits. Register now or learn more at canon.us slash learn portraits. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Improved Photography Podcast. I am your host, Jim Harmer, and today we are going to be all products. We've been doing doodads of the week for years now, and this is the reckoning of the of the doodads where we go back and we review some of the things that we've purchased and tried for you guys and whether it was a uh, keep or a fail. And to do that, we're going to, we have the lens rental man himself, Brent Brent Bergherm, and also Brian McGuckin. Hey, guys. Hello. Hello. Well, first of all, we have to talk about the eclipse shooting. I'm sorry for those of you in, oh, a, yeah. in other countries who are just <coughs> sick of reading about this, um, um, since there wasn't an eclipse in the uh, <laughs> everywhere. Uh, but for those of you in the U.S. or wherever you've had an, an eclipse, uh, how did it go for you guys? I loved it. I was able to get a shot of a local monument and then I got the transition of the phases as the moon came across the sun where I live. I didn't get full totality. So I just had a little crescent of the sun showing through, uh, but it made for a really nice image. Awesome. Did you get anything, Brian? Uh, I got to watch a whole bunch of sixth and seventh and eighth graders laying down <laughs> on a football field, looking up with their fun little glasses. So nice. no, I, I didn't, I, uh, I probably could have asked them if I could take my camera out there, but because I wasn't in the, the area of totality, I just thought, well, I'm going to let it go this year. And I'm okay with that because I just found out some awesome news about when the next one is. So the next one, apparently, you know, coming through the States happens to be on my 49th birthday. Wow. Nice. So it's going to be on April 8th. And to make it even better, my city, uh, I'm on the north side of Indianapolis, is right in the 100% totality area. So, wow, how cool. So that's going to be a great uh, gift to me. So I'm just going to have a big party on that day. Nice. That's awesome. Happy birthday so to I'm you. Gonna, I'm going to look at everybody's shots from the past and, and really start to plan now. I've got, what, seven years? That's wow. good. That's cool. So, yeah. yeah. And there's another one going through uh, the South Pacific in 2019. I'm actually really tempted. I'm looking at getting down to Chile for the one in 2019. So we'll huh. see what happens. Very cool. You know, it was cooler than I thought it was, honestly. I was a little bit annoyed with the eclipse rage and eclipse mania that was uh -huh. going on. And so Agreed. I was a little bit burned out of it before it even happened. But it was pretty cool. And, yeah. and for photography, one thing that I didn't count on is the awesome, just quality of light, just hitting the landscape when it happened. Mm -hmm. It was just yeah. so unique. Um, yeah. it was, it was really cool. I kind of wish that I had just gone to a landscape location and just shot it with this light that you can only get like every five years, you know, for a minute. Right. Uh, it was just really unique lighting. And so that was, that was very cool too. 
but I shot it with, uh, I, I did two shots. Uh, there's a temple around the, the corner from my house. Um, and so I shot that with a statue on top, kind of in front of the eclipse. And then another one, I got my son to climb a ladder and I had a silhouette of him kind of pointing up to the eclipse. Um, cool. So it was a perspective blend. There's, I mean, unless the ladder were 150 feet tall, that wouldn't be possible. Um, so I shot one uh, with a 7200 of my son pointing. And then all uh, my longest lens is 200 right now, that 7200. I don't have a longer lens right now. And so I just used that to shoot the eclipse. But with the A7R2 with so much resolution, it wasn't a big deal. I was able to, to enlarge the eclipse and I thought it looked pretty good. So it was cool. Nice. I shared it and it got... I got like 6,500 shares on Facebook, nice. not, not views or likes, but like people that had clicked shared. Actually, so yeah, it went yeah. everywhere. Uh, I it's already went into a magazine. It was pretty cool. It was awesome. That's um, cool. so eclipse eclipse was awesome. So I want to say kudos to all the listeners out there that posted pictures in the Facebook group, because mm-hmm. as I was looking through, I'm like, Oh, that's gotta be, Oh, I don't know that person or, oh, this one must be a, that so many of them just looked amazing that either, you know, improved photography did a great job with helping give some tips for how to do it, or it just was easy to shoot, which I don't believe that's it. No, I just think the listeners did some great, um, did a great job of getting some amazing shots. Uh, I, I will say personally that it was neat to see, you know, with the diamond ring or whatever they're calling that and all those other ones. But I did enjoy more of ones that did include like the shots you were talking about with your temple or your son. I saw that or some other photographers out there that had. Yeah, Michael Shamebloom did one yes. repelling. Holy crap. It was awesome. Yeah, he was won awesome. the that Internet. Was, Good job. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, that was the one I saw first. That, uh-huh. that impressed me. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there were some, I, I agree with you, Brian, there were some real talent in the group. There were some awesome photos posted that day. Uh, another one that I really liked, uh, the YouTube channel smarter every day, they aligned themselves up with the international space station transiting the eclipsed sun. Oh, wow. And, and they got video of that. That was pretty sweet. That's cool. So, so you can look that up too. All right, let's get into the do don'ts this week. Uh, so again, we give several doodads of the week our favorite pro- photography products and gadgets and gear and accessories every week. We've done this for years, and now we have all gone through our Amazon purchases over the last many years and found which ones we just never ended up using uh, to save you some money from the uh, do da- do don'ts of years past. So I'll go with one first, which was was the glide cam this one cost me 200 bucks and it was a fail um the it, so the glide cam is a it's a just a steady cam for video and it you hook your camera on to the top you hold a handle and it has this uh, a mechanical not a not a motorized a mechanical gimbal so that it's really smooth as you move that camera around and a lot of people love them, uh, but for me, the glide cam was just a no. It took way too long trying to balance that thing and stuff. It was just, and it when it comes in the box, there are like a hundred different bolts and weights, and <laughs> ugh, this is just doesn't fit my style of photography at all. Um, and so, it got rid of the glide cam, and I got a motorized gimbal, and it's like a thousand times better in my opinion. So, glide cam was a fail. One of my first ones to mention is the Gura Gear Betafly backpack. 
it's a very large backpack and I have used it probably two or three times, but it's just not anything that I would say is anywhere close to my everyday gear bag. Uh, if I'm needing to carry just a ton of gear, uh, this is fine, but there's very, very rare that I do that. And now Gura Gear, they bought out um, Tamarack. Uh, so they have lots of other options that they offer as well, but great backpack, but it's just, it just doesn't, and it's 500 bucks. So save your money and, and, Tote your gear around with something else. Shoot, that's an expensive backpack. 500 bucks? Yep. Nuts. All right. Um, uh, boy, the next one I'm sad to say, but it's the Pelican case. Um, so I love Pelican cases. They're so cool. I have two of them. I've used them each a couple times ever. Um, I know a lot of people use them just constantly, um, but I, I thought I would use it a lot for traveling, but... Even though they're really protective, I still wouldn't want to check gear, you know, check gear on an airplane. I, so I stuff my backpack with all my gear and my checked bag is usually just my clothes um, that's going. And so I don't really have a use for it um, because all my main gear that I'm going to take to any particular shoot is going to f- fit in one backpack. I... I just don't have a use for it. So I bought it. I've used it just once or twice. And just for me personally, I never used them. Again, that's nothing wrong with a Pelican case. I know people, some people use them like crazy, but, and that's why I bought it. But I didn't end up really using it because I, again, I put everything in one backpack. So I just didn't. Do you guys have Pelican cases? Do you use them? Yeah, I have a very large Pelican case that I use only when I take my company on the road. So when I load up a lot of my gear, it doesn't fit all of the gear, obviously, but uh, I lock that case to the car itself. And then I lock the case itself. So it's just an extra, you know, if someone breaks into my, if someone breaks into my car, then they have extra stuff to go through to get to my gear. So I do use it for that, but um, no, not for flying or anything like that. Yeah, I think it would be kind of difficult. I haven't used one yet. I've had my eye on them a few times and thought, oh, it'd be so nice to have one or, you know, just to help keep things protected, you know, just while sitting there. And when you've got a bunch of kids that run around your place all the time, but, um, I haven't, I haven't used one before, but I think they look nice and I like the concept and idea. And I think that's part of the problem, you know, that brought up the the topic here is, I look at the list of things. I'm like, Ooh, that would be nice to have, or Ooh, I'm going to need that someday. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, $20 here or there, 50 bucks, <laughs> eventually that stuff adds up. And so from my list, I look at a lot of these things. I'm like, you know what? I think if I sell all these things, I probably can do another trip yeah. and then we'll have another, another latitude topic there to discuss. There you go. Uh-huh. That's right. But one for me was just a yellow sandbag for a tripod or any type mm-hmm. of sandbag. You know, I, I've done a decent amount of landscape photography, not as much as you guys out where you guys live. But uh, I, I mean, I just, I wouldn't take the sandbag. I've hung, I've hung my camera bag before on the little hook that hangs down. But then I'm like, well, maybe if I do something in the studio, I would want to have it. And I just, I haven't, I've never used it. It's still in the little plastic wrapper from <laughs> two and a half years ago. Mm-hmm. Do you guys ever use them with your tripods? I used to. Well, I use sandbags not for tripods, but for um, for light stands. Um, and I bought several when I used to own studio strobes, which is a great segue because that's my next 
Um, that's my next do don't. Um, I used to use them with studio strobes, but it is just such a pain <laughs> to be moving sandbags around and weighing down the light stands and everything uh, that I just, I didn't like shooting that way. And so, uh, no, I, I don't use sandbags. And my do don't then uh, that it segues into is the Einstein E6, E640 uh, studio strobes, but really just studio strobes in general. So I love the Einsteins. If I were going to shoot with studio strobes, that's what I would pick. Again, they were well-made and really incredible, but I just found that for me, studio strobes are not a great option. When I had a physical studio uh, that I rented out, it was really cool when you could, you know, plug in the Einsteins and leave them set up. You know, when you get one, you put it on a light stand and it's going to stay there for two years and you're never going to take it off. You're just going to move that light stand around for different shoots. Then a studio strobe is awesome. But for everything else, oh, I so much prefer just shooting with uh, with speed lights. And even for a studio now, I would prefer just to shoot with speed lights uh, just because they're lighter to move around. You can just have somebody hold it somewhere. Just for the way that I shoot, studio strobes weren't a good choice. Sounds good. Another one that I have is a collapsible gray card focus target. So this thing is very similar to a reflector that you might use out in the field. And that type of item uh, that I'm thinking of, it when it expands, it might be about 18 inches across. It's a circular item. And it, then it's uh, calibrated to the gray card idea. And then it has a little white X in it or something like that for focusing. And it's a great idea. And it helps you uh, balance color balance your images because you can select that with your white color uh, balance in, the, um, in Lightroom or whatever. I just never use it though. I don't find a need to to use something like that anymore. I, I bought it thinking it would be a really awesome deal, but uh, I don't shoot portraits anymore. Maybe if you're a portrait shooter, that'd be a better deal. Yeah, I can see a great card if you're doing product photography or something really more scientific kind of thing. Uh, yeah. But the problem is that a gray card gives you scientifically perfect white balance that's almost right. never artistically perfect white right. balance. And so you get it perfect and then you still find yourself changing the white balance on your photos. Um, I, I, it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense for me and what I'm shooting. Right. If I were shooting product photography uh, or something that that was kind of a necessary thing, then you know makes perfect sense. Well, and we could probably add a color checker chart into this as well because you can go all crazy with calibrating your camera's color with a color checker chart, and that's something I run through in class uh, with my um, intermediate digital imaging students, but. Other than that, like you said, it's just I make sure they understand this is scientifically great color, but as far as your art aspect of it, you know, you got to move it around. Brent, could you say that again? That was like a tongue twister. They calibrate your colored checkered camera. Ch- That's a lot of oh, seats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like so, that. Well, I, I, didn't, I didn't put it on the list, but it just segues into that with his idea of, of getting your scientifically perfect color. A standard gray card, you can do a simple white balance check on that and you'll get a pretty good target on your color. But that doesn't mean that your colors are actually as good as they can get as it relates to scientifically perfect color. Yep. So if you use a color checker chart by X-Rite uh, is the one that I use at school, you can actually test your RGB values specifically and you can measure it against a known quantity and then you can make the adjustments in the calibration panel in the Lightroom develop module. You can go all the way to the bottom and you can type in those differences, those, those RGB value differences. It takes a while to do it, but you can 
calibrate perfect color. And if you're doing uh, some product photography, especially, this would be a fantastic way to go about it. It's just a very long, laborious process, and you'd have to do it for every camera and lens combination to get it perfect and light combinations to get it perfect. So, uh, yeah, if you absolutely need that absolute pickiness, sure, but it's not practical. Well, on that topic of, of light, uh, for me, when I look at my list, I realize that a lot of these things have to do with flash or bouncing, you know, the light off and all. And it all started when I got my first camera. And I think one of the first uh, flashes I had was a Canon uh, for something flash. I don't know what it was, but I know I spent 450 bucks for it and it just sat there and I never used it until uh, when I was first just a listener with improved photography and hearing about the young Nuo. And so I sold it and I bought a bunch of the young Neo flashes and love those. And so I play with those a whole lot more. But one item that I bought that I thought, okay, well, this would be good to kind of help with bouncing my light and everything was this, I think it was $50 at the time. It's a Dem Classic Flip It. And so it's basically like a, a white square uh, bounce that has like a Velcro that attaches uh, to the to the top of the flash and to kind of help... The, uh, proportion the the bounce between the ceiling and wherever you're whatever you're shooting and I just realized that I never I've never used it it too is just still sitting there inside the plastic wrapper yeah about every six months a new incredible invention comes out in in flash photography mostly for like on-camera flash and real yep. simple just this tiny little light modifier that revolutionizes the way we do flash and it never does uh they're they <laughs> If it's on-camera flash, I mean, you're either going to bounce it off a wall, and it may help you do that in some different way than the others, uh, or it's making that tiny little flash head that's two inches wide, and now it's making it six inches wide, and it's just a tiny bit softer. Um, it's, it's physics. If the light is small, it's still going to be hard. Um, yes. I, they just are different ways of presenting it that look different. Off soapbox. <laughs> and and so I, what I'm saying is uh, there's no problem with them. It's just that they're always presented as, you know, this is going to defy physics. This one is going to change all the photos. But they're really just different ways of doing the same thing. Uh, so whichever one works for you, you know, the Flip It is a fine device, perfectly fine uh, if a photographer wants to use that. Uh, but, you know, if you want to use – what's the one that I use? The – uh, the Rogue Flashbender I really like. Uh, you know, there are lots of different ones, um, and it's really just the form factor that you that you prefer yeah. to accomplish that thing. Yep. All right. Uh, next one for me is a C stand. Um, a C stand is a light stand that goes up, and then it uh, it uh, has a sidebar that goes over. And so, if you're on a studio, you definitely want a C stander. And I bought the Avenger. Uh, that's it's a little bit of an expensive one. I think it was around 150 dollars, and it's a really well built, awesome stand. If I were doing studio photography regularly, I would want that. Um, but because I don't do studio photography often. Um, and when I do studio photography, I almost always have other people shooting with me. Uh, it's very rare that I'm that I'm in a studio and I'm the only one there. Um, and so I usually just say, can you hold this light? <laughs> and it's so much easier than a C-stand uh, just to have somebody put a flash on a monopod and just do it there. Again, a C-stand is, is a no-brainer. You definitely want one if you're working in a studio. Uh, but for me, it, it just, I didn't need it. Yeah. I didn't use it. 
Yep. I've got one here. It's actually not a product as it relates to a physical piece, but software. I actually have a full license for the on one software and I've never used it, uh, which, you know, they do uh, some amazing work with uh, an alternative, if, if you want to call it that, to Lightroom with uh, processing your raw files and the like. I used it actually a long time ago. We're probably talking six or five years ago and I let it go and then um, re-upped it again a year and a half ago or so. And I just haven't, crack that open once. I've been changing my classes and whatnot. And my other personal work is I just have to go with what I know. And then another one is PT GUI. It's fantastic for stitching panoramics that Lightroom and Photoshop simply will just beg for mercy. And uh, PT GUI is fantastic for doing those. It's just one of those things where I rarely shoot a panoramic like that, that I need PT GUI. So I've used it two or three times. (sighs) That hurts. That hurts. Yeah. <laughs> All right. My next is the DJI Phantom version one and version two. Um, I As soon as the drone thing came out, I immediately saw, holy cow, this is going to revolutionize photography. I think all of us did. Uh, and it has. But I bought too early. The, the DJI yeah. Phantom was just, the version one was, it could not be used for any serious photography. It was mostly a really good RC helicopter. Uh, <laughs> and the same with version two. It was, there was so much vibration in it. There didn't have the good cameras on them yet. It, it was just a really fun toy at that point and wasn't ready for serious photography. Now, however, on version four, they are awesome. And if you've watched uh, my YouTube videos on the Improved Photography channel, uh, you see the vi- the footage from them. I mean, it's incredible what they do. But I bought too early, and that was a mistake that cost me a couple thousand bucks. I get. I like the uh, the too early comment there because again, I feel like a lot of these purchases purchases were just done like too early mm-hmm. for me. I figured, well, starting out I, as a photographer, I need to have some type of portable backdrop. So a few years ago, many years ago, I purchased this uh, backdrop. It's a two prism. It was a 10 foot by 20 foot and it had a, a white and a black, you know, just cloth backdrop, which I used once and I set it up and it was okay. It was pretty easy to set up. And for the price, it was $150 at that time. Now you can get it on Amazon for a hundred. Uh, so I thought it was a good price. I used it. And when I went to set it up, I, I didn't iron the sheet at all. And so it was all wrinkled in the, in the background. And I had no clue what I was doing, but it was one of those things where I'm like, okay, I have to have one of these. And I think, you know, now that I look back, I'm more confident in who I am as a photographer to where it's like, I don't need that. That's not who I am. That's not my style. I don't enjoy that type of photography. Mm-hmm. So I was, you know, kind of the, oh, I got to do everything, try everything type person. And so I was wasting money. And fortunately, I was able to sell it to a friend the other day for like 50 bucks. So it was just sitting there. I've only used it one time in five years. Don't tell them to listen to this, man. (laughs) No, no, for them, they they needed it because it's actually somebody who's uh, taking a photography class and needed a backdrop. So it'll be good for them. But for me, it's just... Doesn't fit my style. And if you had gotten into it for 50 bucks, you wouldn't have cared so much either. Right. (laughs) So. 
All right, a focusing rail is my next one. Uh, Focusing rail is for uh, macro photography uh, so that you can do very precise uh, movements of the camera forward and back to get the focus exactly right uh, for something like a flower that's not moving and you want to make sure you're getting everything just perfect. So if I were doing very serious macro photography, uh, kind of that scientific work, if I wanted to photograph snowflakes or something like that, I, I wanted to do focus stacking on a on a rose or something like that, then man, a focusing rail is really, that's what you need. Uh, it's great. But that's not, I, I'm not that into macro photography. I enjoy macro photography sometimes, but for me, it's good enough. I'll just use a regular old tripod. Um, uh, I, I don't really need the focusing rail and all the, the fancy stuff for it because I'm not that into it. And so I bought it. I used it exactly one time and I sold it. Oh, you got me beat. I bought one. I used it exactly zero times and I still have it. (laughs) (laughs) I will use it one day, I'm sure. (laughs) Oh, one thing that I I used, I think, one time and still have it is the Gigapan Epic Pro. This is a this is a device that you mount your camera to. It's like a um, it's like a, a gimbal head that's motorized. On, on super steroids and what you do is you you tell it where you want to start your pano upper left corner tell it where you want to stop your pano up lower left corner and it has a it has a um, cable hooked to it so it'll it'll move and it'll the camera to position it'll uh, snap it and it'll move to the next one so your your pano stitching is very regimented it's it knows exactly how much overlapping it has and everything is just perfectly well done. None of this kind of, oh, I think it's pretty good. And you can find the nodal point on your lens and all that stuff fairly easily with this. So it's really expensive. Um, now it's only $850. I spent a little more for that. Uh, I've used it, uh, I think, once or twice. And then it's just so stinking big. I just don't take it around anymore. And it's in a Pelican case. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, mine but, is going to be the Nikon D4S. This one's painful to see that one on the list. because it's a $7,000 camera. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but of course I sold it afterwards, so I didn't lose all of that. Um, but the Nikon D4S is, it's an incredible camera, right? Um, this is Nikon's very highest end camera. Well, the one before uh, this version. Now they have the D5. Uh, it's like the 1DX on Canon. Uh, this is their highest end. You know, this is what you're going to see on the NFL sidelines. Everybody's got this camera, right? Um, and so I bought this. I was I went to Colorado to do a whole week of sports photography and I bought the D4S. I was like, let's get the ultimate camera for this. Uh, so I got the D4S. I shot it all week and it was awesome for sports photography. And then it just sat in my bag because when you have a D4S and an Nikon D810, which is the less expensive, the full frame, but higher, higher resolution and everything like for 99% of the shoots that I did, the D810 was actually the right tool. Uh, the mm. D4S just wasn't quite the right tool for it. Unless you're shooting, you know, if you're shooting events, you're shooting uh, sports, wildlife, things like that, it's awesome. But I wasn't most of the time. Most of the time I was shooting uh, portraits and landscapes and general photography. And so it just, the D810 was a better tool for what I was doing. So 
awesome camera, wrong use case for me. Or I, I mean, I knew what the use case was, but I just, I thought I would pull it out more than I did. Hmm. I think another thing that as photographers that matters to us and we're trying to always continue to have the best of is a good battery charger. And I've purchased a handful of battery chargers. I bought one. It was a, I think it's, it was a lacrosse BC 700, whatever all that means. Uh, great reviews. It probably was somewhere around $60. I don't even think they make this one anymore, but it only charges a few batteries at a time. And it just sat there and I, I just, I never used it because I used other ones instead and it, it was fancy. And I figured it's a battery charger. When I go to charge my batteries, I usually plug, put it all in, plug it in at night. I go the next morning and they're good to go. I don't sit there and look at, okay, oh, this one is up to this number or that's up to that one. And so for me, it ended up being a waste because it didn't charge enough batteries all at once the way that I needed it to. Hmm. Cool. Cool. Uh, mine is going to be just every prime lens I've ever purchased, honestly. <laughs> um, so, you know, when I very first bought my very first serious camera, I got a 50 millimeter 1.8 and that was a great purchase because it was the only fast lens I could, I could afford. Um, but once I got to past that point, every other prime lens I, I have, rec I have regretted, uh, I, I just, for the way that I like to shoot, I, I want to be able to dial in that zoom and make it just right. And I know people, every time I say this, people say, just zoom with your feet. And it's, it's just not the same thing. Uh, shooting scooted back with a hundred millimeter lens is not the same thing as scooting forward with a 50 millimeter lens. The photo does look very different. The field of view, um, what's included in the frame, the appearance of compression, it's not the same thing. And so unless you're going to be changing lenses a lot constantly, for me, a prime lens wasn't a good choice. Also, I'm, again, a lot of the time when I'm out shooting, I'm shooting with you guys. I'm out with the readers of the, of the website. I'm doing uh, meetups here locally, etc. And so I... I, a prime lens isn't a great choice because you're in a line of different photographers. And if you need to zoom in, what are you going to step in front of 15 people <laughs> to get your shot? You know, a zoom lens just makes a lot more sense uh, for me. I know a lot of people love them. There's nothing wrong with them. Just didn't fit my style. My next item on the list is the flash tracks XT. And I, this is actually something that I used to use a lot before I got a laptop computer and before a lot of other things, actually. Uh, but it is a 40 gigabyte hard drive with a flip up screen and you can actually put videos on it and watch videos. So it was my little entertainment uh, portal when I was, when I would travel. And I also had a 160 gigabyte portable hard drive with a SD card and CF card slots. And a couple of those are made now when they're super expensive. Um, but these were just back in the day, they had all sorts of different, different uh, types to, to go along with these. And it was just before the days of taking a computer along with me. Now I take my computer and a little, um, a little SD, not an SD, but a little um, SSD drive with me. So I've just upgraded, I guess. I still have these items, though. Still floating around. <laughs> They're still in your Pelican case. And yeah. You know what? When At the end of this episode, we're going to share a link with you, and we're going to have a great sale on some great items <laughs> that oh, we right. review on. <laughs> so hit us up. They're wonderful items. We love them. We That's them. right. They're in great condition. <laughs> really good condition. 
An- another thing that I've purchased was just one of those painter's poles um, with, that comes with the adapter. I-, I love the idea of being able to use it more, you know, to hold a, a flash just off camera and up high over somebody. And, and I've, used, uh, I've used actually a monopod to do that instead of the whole painter's pole. So it's good concept. And again, I, I get it, but it's just something for me that I personally haven't used. Most of the photography I'm doing is either sitting there landscapes or a lot of sports. So, yeah, I, I use my painter's pole every once in a while. Not a, not, certainly not every shoot, but, a, but frequently enough, I use mine. Uh, I want to challenge you, Brian, to take your painter's pole to the next NFL game you go to. <laughs> see, see what you can do. You, you can do something there. I should do that. You know, at the end when we all run on and we'll get the pictures of the quarterback shaking hands and we're holding, holding our camera over, I'm just going to whip out that painter's pole you and hold betcha. it right over everyone. <laughs> you betcha. I'm sure they'll like that. Um, all right. Mine is uh, buying the... Uh, so I love the Young Newell flashes, obviously. Uh, the YN560, I've owned more than a dozen of them uh, i i just love them but i i saw the more advanced ones with the ttl and the high speed sync and i thought okay i'm gonna get one i know i'll use this and for six months i every time i had a shoot i just like nope don't need it i'll just grab the wine 560 um and i ended up just I don't think I ever actually used them other than just testing them out and just seeing how the TTL worked and all that stuff. I never actually used it on a shoot. I didn't need it. Um, I I actually think I may violate this rule coming up here in a couple months because uh, I'm wanting to get photos of my kids dirt biking um, and I want to do it during the day. And so I want some flash to be able to brighten them up and darken the background a lot of flash and so i may violate this and get them again but i didn't use them at all last time i bought them so you've already sold them and you're and you'd have to buy them again i'd have to buy again it sounds like, oh, dear. <laughs> we'll see ah uh, because you've already learned your lesson once i and, know oh jim uh, that's the worst <laughs> it's the worst um, another one that I would say was, uh, uh, well, two that are just, I made this mistake so many times was buying cheap soft boxes and then cheap tripods. Then you, after you get past the cheap tripod and you realize the, that the $40 Dalika tripod on Amazon really isn't good quality, then you start going to heavy tripods that are solid, but too heavy and they're cheaper. Um, but they just aren't they aren't convenient. And so you buy the cheap one, then you buy the heavy one, then you finally buy a good one and you can keep it for 20 years. I did this that with tripods and with uh, soft boxes. I bought all the cheap ones on Am- cheap ones on Amazon thinking, no, 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 I'm going to get a good one. And then I finally bought the Glow Parapop 38 for, this, for a soft box and I don't really see myself switching from that. That is just an awesome, awesome softbox. And you, if you want uh, the links to that, just go to improve photography, click to recommended gear. And on the flash section, we have, uh, we have all, all the ones that actually worked. Sweet. You also, Jim have the GoPro listed. Yeah. GoPro. Yeah. See, it's when you get the feeling like I'm going to be an epic person and I'm going to go jump right. off mountains and stuff. Woo-hoo. I need a GoPro. And then you don't need a GoPro. 
<laughs> so I bought one for vacation. Just thought I would use it traveling around, getting little videos, but I didn't. Uh, I never really used it. This is one that I may violate again because I'm really getting into dirt biking with the kids, uh-huh. and we got ski passes for this year. And and the kids see, you know, whenever the kids wipe out or something, they always think, "Oh, we need a GoPro, Dad, so we can get <laughs> video of this." So I may violate that one again, but. Oh, yeah. I, You've got to get one just for the kids' sake. My yes, daughter, for the children. My kids use mine more than I do. Okay, there you go. Your circumstances are changing, so it's acceptable to violate this one. Okay, yeah. Thank, thanks, guys. That helped. <laughs> You're welcome. We just spent more money for you. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> Another one that I have spent, that I've bought lots of times over the years is camera straps. I've tried so many, and eventually I just decided, you know what? I'm going strapless, there and go. I've never looked back. <laughs> I I never use a camera strap anymore, and I've just been so happy since then. <laughs> it's been so much easier. The other thing that I will say is, I dropped my camera more when I had a camera strap. I've dropped my camera several times over the years, but since I got rid of the strap, I've never dropped it just dropping it. I once I kicked yeah. over a tripod that, you know, it wouldn't have helped. Uh, but uh, I've never just dropped a camera since I got rid of the strap because when it's in your hand and you know that's all you have to hold it, you hold on to it. And a lot of times I found I was, you know, pulling my camera out of the case or something and the strap would get caught on something and it would make it flop down. So uh, I actually do better with no strap. You know what? I, I wouldn't fully say that, Jim, because I believe two times that I've been with you, you're right. You didn't have a strap on the camera, but you were pulling it out of the water was <laughs> that connect- was kicking when over was a tripod. tripod. <laughs> no, so maybe I've kicked over start- tripods. I admit that. But you need uh, to start shooting without well. a tripod. Yes, there you <laughs> go. That's true. That's that would be genius, a tripod strap. It's just China, getting in your China way. China and Iceland, both times. Yeah. Yep. So you've also got the wireless camera remote. Is that the Cam Ranger? Um, no, this is about? like those little ones, like the infrared remotes for your oh, camera. I, see. Uh, I thought I would use those for, you know, selfie video, whatever, or something. Mm, nope, I didn't. Ten second timer and run. Yeah, because I bought the Cam Ranger a while back and used it maybe a couple of times. Uh-huh. But ever, ever since the 6D and now the 5D4, they've got the the Wi-Fi in there. I can connect it to my phone. Uh there's just no need for it anymore. So they've, they've built it in the, the capability I needed, I should say was built into it and it's just fine. I hope it. that's not what I say about Arsenal. Uh, yeah. Remember Arsenal is that Kickstarter right. that we had uh, the guy on the show. Um, and it looks awesome. He just posted an update. I, you know, I've ordered, uh, I think a lot of improved photography people have ordered. Um, uh, and so I'm anxious to see that one, but I am nervous that that's one I'm going to use five or 10 times and not use yeah. again. The one feature that has me hooked on Arsenal and why I think it's going to be useful is that it does the in-camera focus stacking and then it combines it in-camera yeah. to and to a raw file. That's a that's killer amazing. feature. That's, that's one that uh, that I am excited about. Uh, I so that's what that's what got me to buy everything else. And I kind of thought, no, nah, I can do this with the Wi-Fi on my camera, or I don't really know that. I don't really need that because I know how to run the exposure on my camera, etc. Yep. Now another thing I see on your list, Jim, that 
I've heard other photographers just love is gaffer tape. Why do you have mm -hmm. that on there? Okay, Miss Sandy Durow, uh, our awesome <laughs> friend, uh, talked me into gaffer tape. I bought gaffer tape, and the the roll is behind me in my in my cubbies here. I have not used a piece of it yet. Uh, I, I guess just the way that I do oh, my my system of how I shoot. Uh, I don't have things flopping around that need to be taped, I guess. Uh, I know people use it like I can see five rolls of it behind you, Brent, uh, in yeah. your video. <laughs> but yes. I just, I, I keep looking like, okay, when am I going to use my gaffer tape? And I just never have things flopping around. I, I don't know what I would tape. <laughs> well, I think somebody had one on one of our trips. I don't know if it was China or Arizona. And they had it wrapped up around their tripod legs. Mm -hmm. And it was helpful because at one point they had to like pin the tripod against a, a railing and to keep it from moving, they just ripped some off. Um, who was it? Was it, was it Neil? Did Neil have that in China? Our good, uh, our good leprechaun friend. <laughs> I can't remember. I so don't remember somebody, that happening, but did. it sounds really MacGyver. I mean, that's a pro tip right that's, there. That's right. a great way to do it. I have some wrapped around my tripod leg and I should say I have had it cause I got a new tripod, but anyway, uh, it's always with you and it's just there when you need it. It's good stuff. Okay. Well, maybe I'll wrap some around my tripod just so I feel <laughs> cool like Brent, but I, I've just never, I don't, I don't need to tape anything. Everything has yeah. a place. I don't know. Yeah. Another one is the Samsung mirrorless smart camera. Uh, this was a 2014 ah, yes. purchase. Those things were cool. They were lightweight. They were small. Um, and the image quality was okay for 2014. And that was the real problem. Um, it was like one of the first cool mirrorless things out there, but it just wasn't quite good enough. Um, and, and so again, that's another one where the the where I saw a trend, ooh, this is going to be cool in photography, but I jumped on it too early. I should have yeah. to wait until it was a, a more viable technology. And I think now they've completely gotten out of it. Samsung has. Yep, they're done. So, yeah, too bad. One more item that I had again, it's related to a flash, is a uh, f stoppers flash disc. It's a portable like speed light softbox mm -hmm. and. I, I think it may still be fun to use because it's kind of like a round, um, like the size of a plate type disc. And it's got like a little bit of yellow or I mean, a little bit of white, some gray, some black, just to kind of, you know, allow the light to fall off a little bit. And I, I like it and I think it's going to be neat to use. And it comes in a nice little tiny little pouch and everything. But I just, it's one that I have not yet used. Uh, again, it's a f-stoppers flash disc is what they call it. So neat little thing. Great idea. Haven't used it. Yep. All right. Well, in the second half of this, we are going to get past our mistakes and we're going to move forward and just mention some of our, uh, just one or two of our very favorite photography purchases ever. Not a camera or lens, but just accessories, just things that have helped us to make photography easier and more fun. Um, but I wanted to mention a couple things about improvephotographyplus.com before we do that. Uh, some cool stuff on Improve Photography Plus uh, to uh, note. This week, I spent a whole day doing portfolio reviews with members of Improve Photography Plus. I posted right on the home screen for people when they sign in uh, the information on it and then I was just available by phone whenever people wanted to call in during the day, and they emailed in uh, some of their favorite photos, and I just spent a while with them on the phone just talking uh, through the photos and some things that I noticed that uh, could be improved or things that were going well and kind of a direction to 
to focus on. And it was really, really fun. It was awesome to get to talk to many, many of you guys on Improved Photography Plus. Um, so thank you to those who called in. I definitely think we'll be doing that again for Improved Photography Plus members um, who want to do that. So stay tuned and we will... Uh, um, yeah, I definitely think we'll be doing that again in the future. And the other one, <laughs> this brings joy to my heart, guys. Finally, really good photo spots, the iPhone app. The premium features are working. It's available. There are no bugs in the app that we have reported. And it's been six or seven days with no crash reports and no uh, no bugs. So I think the coast is clear. This app is fully baked and ready to go. And the premium features are available. It's $9.99 yeah, a year. Yeah. This yes. is where you need to insert like a bunch of cheering. And I know. Right. Right. I know. This was a battle, yeah, man. That's awesome. It that's was awesome. so much harder, way harder of a project than I ever imagined it was. There was way uh, more than I that I knew there was um, as my first try um, at an app. Uh, but it is, I mean, it's going crazy. We're getting tons and tons of new spots added to the app every single day. Um, I'm spending a lot of time going in through and approving them. In fact, we've already, we already have 20, 20% more spots available in the app now than when the app launched, which is a huge accomplishment because we had a lot of spots for uh, right at launch. Uh, so you guys have just been adding tons of spots. Uh, and to me, that was the measure of success is people, if people are using the app to add spots, that means the database of, of cool information and cool places to go shooting is going to keep improving every single day. And, and then it's, it's going to win. It's going to be useful and something that's going to help the industry. Uh, if people don't add to it, then, you know, it's just going to go yeah. away. Uh, but it's, uh, really going well. And, uh, and thank you to those who have uh, upgraded uh, to the $9.99. It's $9.99 for an entire year. Uh, it cuts out the ads. You can search by specific keywords. So you can just search like drone and you get all the best drone spots um, in an area. Um, you can set a distance. So, you know, you say, I'm only going to be in Reykjavik. I only have this afternoon. So I only want spots within 20 miles. Uh, you can search by star rating. So you say, I just want all the five-star locations within a thousand miles of me and poof, you got it. You know, you're like, I got a, you know, I got a, a three-day weekend. I could go shoot somewhere. Just give me the very best spots. Bang, you got it right there. Uh, you can save your spots for offline use. Like both of you guys are going to Europe this next month. Uh, so mm -hmm. you can save spots offline and organize things into trips. So you can say, all right, these are my Reykjavik spots. These are my Vic spots. These are my Kirkufell spots. Uh, and, and so you can kind of organize to where you're going to be uh, in what city, what day, and just have all your spots right there. So nice. when you have a, a weekend and you say, hey, you know, looks like it's going to be cloudy tomorrow morning. I'm going to go out and shoot. There's no more like, oh, I don't know where to go anymore. It's like, it's just right there. Uh, you can just look in your trip. So I'm really proud of uh, proud of it. It's uh, been a big project, but it is fully baked and out there. Uh, so uh, very, very happy about that. It's cool. All right. A couple do's, a couple uh, of our very favorite photography purchases everywhere uh, or ever. Uh, Brian, what's one that you are really glad that you bought? So earlier I mentioned about the batteries and having the batteries charged. I have a titanium smart fast 16 bay 
uh, battery charger. And I love it because I'll just plug in all 16 batteries. Actually, I have more than that, but I'll plug 16 in, let it charge, come back the next night or a couple hours later. They're good to go. They're fully charged. And it wasn't like four batteries over here, four batteries over there. And I just, I love it. And it's got two little ports as well for a USB to be able to like plug it in if you want to plug your phone in or charge something as well. It is currently, I think it's like $60. Uh, for this one on Amazon, but worth every cent. It's one of my one of my favorite purchases, and I use it all the time. Sweet, very cool. Uh, for me, I kind of a combo here is a Mac computer and a Drobo. Okay, I know I we, we all of us use a Mac, all three of us. Uh, so I know it annoys Windows people when we just constantly talk <laughs> about it. Uh, but honestly, it really has been like a significant improvement to my uh, to my work life once I sw- switched away from Windows and the other brands of of RAID enclosures, and I got the Drobo and a Mac. Uh, really, it just completely almost completely eliminated the technical support or the technical troubleshooting part of my business uh, which I ended up doing a lot of uh, before before I got a Mac just where software just wasn't working and just ah just crashes and uh, uh, just things going wrong obviously you know software still crashes there are still bugs on the Mac uh, but I found it reduced dramatically um, uh, reduce the amount of time that I'm just troubleshooting stuff and uh, you know I wondered if times had changed and so I had a video system in my office uh, even up until until a few months ago that was running Windows and oh man using that it was just like uh, nope it hasn't changed yet. I just, for me, the Mac and the Drobo has just been a great way to go. It's relieved a huge amount of time for my business. My first one on the dues, I do really like the Acrotech GP ball head with lever release. It's um, something I've been using for the last probably eight months or so. And it looks kind of funky. If you look it up, it looks unlike any other ball head out there. And it is really well machined. It's just beautifully crafted. The problem I do have with it is uh, since I have the lever release, quick release, on the opposite side, the opposing side of the lever, there is a a little tensioner that you can adjust depending on exactly which which, uh, quick release plate you have on your mounted to your camera. And so it allows a little bit of adjustment in the tensioning. And me and um, Nick have both had this happen. And that is where we're walking or I wasn't even walking. It was just the camera was sitting there and then somehow it just kind of fell forward. It came loose off of that thing and crashed onto the rocks and $600 in repair bill later, uh, my camera and lens are back in order. But if that thing hadn't let go, it was fine and it shouldn't have let go. And I'm really disappointed in that. So I do love the head, but you got to make sure I've looked into it later. I was like, well, that thing wasn't probably tight enough. Now, I've not gone out and tested it. Again, I'm not going to crash my camera. Of course, I could use a, a camera strap in that case um, to catch it if it were to fall off. But uh, it is now a lot tighter on there. And it's just, it's kind of disappointing that that happened. You know, you are not the first person I've heard say that, actually, uh, that had issues with the uh, with the Acrotech uh, head. Um, actually, I, the problem I heard was a little bit different where it, they just... It couldn't quite get it to to 
tightened down every time and it, they were just yeah. starting to get some things working loose and stuff. Um, yeah. So I, I think I may, given that, to kind of change my recommendation on on the recommended gear section of the website back to the really right stuff, BH40. The Acrotec yeah. is an amazing head. It has some cool features, but man, I, I just kind of feel like at that price point, you just want one that's going to last you 20 years uh, yeah. and going to work every time. Yeah, I noticed if I were to increase the the opposing screw, which is their tensioning screw versus the lockdown screw, if I increase that a little bit and then I really just lock it down like crazy, it's great. It's just it takes a couple of twists to lock it down versus a single twist. Mm-hmm. And once one part of me says, oh, it's just really awesome machining. You have really fine levels of detail and in, in, in approach. And then another part of me says that shouldn't be that way. It should just be locked in if I have it locked in. Yeah. But uh, I'm still positive on it. Uh, I guess you could say I'm still learning it. Um, I have yet to to turn it in. It was expensive and I, I want to see if I can get my investment out of it. Sure. One of, one of my items is something that I think you guys were talking about on a recent episode and that is an L bracket. I got a, uh, it's a newer black aluminum quick release L bracket for my uh, 5D Mark III a while ago. I need to get a new one now for my four, I believe. But um, it was like $30 and mm-hmm. it was perfect. I had, I've had no issues with it. And I've looked at other prices and have seen like 150, 200 bucks for an L bracket. And this was, was a great one and a great purchase. And I've used it a lot and love it. Yeah, I always buy cheap L brackets. I bought one of the expensive ones and I thought, I just don't really get this. So I buy the cheap ones. The only complaints I've ever heard about the cheap L brackets that are made for your camera, don't get a universal one, um, is that sometimes the the screws on the bottom can get loose, can just kind of work loose over time. Um, And so the fix for that is if you just get a little... Uh, like a rubber washer and put it in there when you tighten it up, it will put some tension against there and then it will stay tight. So may may require a trip to Home Depot if it doesn't already have one, uh, but I, I always just get the cheap ones too. Nice. One that I would uh, that I was really hesitant on, but that has been a do for me, not a specific lens, uh, but just in general, having a specific night photography lens uh, has been something that I have definitely used. My hesitation with buying one uh, was, I thought, I don't know, I have my wide angle lens, you know, my 16 to 35, whatever, um, a 16 to 35 to eight. And I thought, that's good. I can use this for night photography. And then you see these other lenses, you know, like this awesome broken on um, uh, the F1.8 lens. What is it, Brent? The, do you, do you, oh, the 1418. The Sigma 1418. The Sigma 1418. Yes. Or the, what's the other one? The Rokinon that just came out. Is it a 1718? Something <sighs> like that. I'll have to look that up. I don't know. There have been a couple of good ones released recently, uh, but I find having a specific night photography lens has been really helpful and uh, helps me to get shots. Do you have those at, at, in your at Brent Rents lenses? Uh, I just added two of them to the uh, inventory, both Nikon and Canon mounts. So yes, I have the Sigma 14 F1.8s. Oh man, that's a killer go. lens. Yeah, it's unfortunately I haven't been able. People are asking me, you know, what do you think? What do you think? And I'm just like, I have been so busy, I haven't even been able to think about shooting it. And it's now out to a guy. Uh, the Canon mount is is now out to a guy until mid September. And as many listeners probably know, I'm heading to Croatia on the seventh, so I'm not going to get it back. Uh, so until I get back, I just, 
I'll shoot it eventually, but right now uh, it's out in the client's hands and, and the clients are having fun with it. So yeah, it's, it looks pretty good. That's awesome. But yeah, I, having a specific night photography lens has been useful. For me, I'm kind of a Trinity guy. You know, I shoot the 16, 35, 24, 70, 70, 200 on almost any system I buy. I just get those lenses and I feel like I'm pretty much good. Uh, the only place that I sometimes am short is on a long lens. Uh, but boy, adding that night photography lens, I've, I've really enjoyed. I wish there were a really good option for Sony, uh, but there's not one that's quite, quite said that I can say, ah, oh, this is the perfect night photography lens. So I uh, haven't, haven't bought one there yet. Rokinon looks like they do have a 14 F 2.4. Oh, it's a two four. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, we have lots more uh, that we could share in this episode of the podcast. So many different products, but that is all the time we have uh, for this week. Brian and Brent, it was awesome talking with you guys. Good luck yeah. on your trips to uh, Sweden. Uh, Brian's going to Sweden and, and Brent's going to Croatia. Looking forward to hearing those on the next episodes of Latitude. Listeners, go check out the Improve, uh, Phot- Improve Photography's app, Really Good Photo Spots. It's in the iPhone app store. And we'll see you in another seven days. <laughs>